0: I pray your blessings on our services now. In Christ's name, amen. You can't
1: compete with a crying child. Amen. Nice and high Jace. Good job, buddy. Ready? Salute. Ledge. song everybody's gonna sing it if you don't know it you'll learn it quickly here we go amen
2: amen everybody all the adults too we're gonna let y'all do it too Miss Renee, ready? Here we go! And on a day like this, ooh ooh ah, ah e, e. on a day like this, ooh ooh ah, ah e, e. on a day like this. Oh Lord, help me, ooh ooh ah, ah e, e. amen. On a day like this, ooh ooh ah ah ee e.
0: wish y'all could see it from my perspective y'all look like a bunch of idiots cubbies you can head out adults you can be seated don't forget I want to teachers if you're not first state cpr certified on saturday 8 8:30 a.m we take care of the bill you come ready to
2: learn sparks it sparks is here we go
3: Together. Grab your blue songbook tonight, page number 324. Draw me nearer. We'll do the first, second, last verse. Hymn number three hundred and twenty-four tonight. Draw me nearer.
0: Let's remain standing for prayer tonight. I want to give you a few prayer requests and then take your outspoken requests this evening. Uh, Thank you for praying for Sister Biggs. Uh, She is still waiting for a report from Pathology, uh, and that will determine her next course of treatment regarding her cancer, but am I saying that right, buddy? Am I saying that? Nope. All right, praise the Lord for that, praise the Lord. I knew she was on her way home, but I'm glad to hear that she is home. That's awesome. Pray also for Sister River Smith. We just found out a few minutes ago that she's in Martinsville Hospital. Uh, so you lift her up in prayer. Then Brother Barry's got to go in the morning for a procedure at Martinsville. Uh, you remember him, if you would. Uh, I know he's sure chore- of outpatient. Barry, outpatient. Okay, so keep Barry in prayer, if you would. Outspoken requests on my left tonight. Want to share? Yes, ma'am. Amen,
1: Sister. Thank you so much, Brother Daryl. Absolutely. I saw Miss Lisa. All right. Absolutely. Other outspoken on my left. Yes, sir. Absolutely. We'll do that. Thank you so much. Somebody else on my left. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely, sister. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am.
0: All right, sister Nichols. Thank you so much. Somebody else. Yes, ma'am. Sheila. Sheila.
1: Bet, thank you, Sister Sheila. Anybody else on my left, middle tonight? Outspoken request this evening. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Pray also for Zach Reynolds. He is also being
0: deployed to uh, Puerto Rico to help that as well. Tragic situation. Thank you for reminding us of that. Yes,
1: sir. Absolutely, brother. Somebody else in the middle tonight. Let's go front to back. Shane. Amen. Praise the Lord. What an answer to prayer. Amen. That's awesome. How unusual. Yes, ma'am. Sister Helbert. All right, you know I just said how unusual, but that's not unusual for God, is it? Amen. Somebody else in the middle tonight? Yes. Wow, thank you for telling me that, buddy. Yes, yes, sir. For the big. Mm, thank you, Brother King. Let's remember that. Thank you so much. Remember her. Yes, ma'am. Right. Thank you, sister. Appreciate it. Alice. All right, let's remember that. Thank you. Yes, ma'am, Natalie. All right, thank you. Anybody else in the middle tonight? Yes, ma'am. Your Jordan. Wow. Wow, how many years has it been since you donated the kidney? So he's had the kidney
0: for 12 years, and he's going back on the transplant list. Wow, let's remember, Jordan. Thank you for
1: letting us know about that. On my right tonight, an outspoken request. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Certainly. Certainly. Thank you so much. Somebody else. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Amen. Well said. Well said. Somebody else on the right tonight, outspoken. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that so much. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you, son. Any other outspoken on my right? Yeah.
0: Thank you, buddy. Unspoken tonight, you've got a request. All right. Thank you so much. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us tonight. To assemble, most of all, to share these burdens with one another. Lord, you've commanded us in your word to bring our burdens to one another, to bear one another's burdens. And so I thank you so much for a church that's still concerned enough about prayer to, Lord, share those requests. For the spoken request tonight, Lord, I pray that your perfect will would be done. For the unspoken request, how many prayers have been answered through an unspoken request. Bless now in our furtherance tonight, our Bible study, and the Awana time in Christ's name. Amen. Let's have a song of fellowship. Brother Ken.
3: Amen. Page number 327, higher ground. We'll do the first verse and chorus. Have a time of fellowship. Hymn number 327.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, Ushers, make your way down tonight, please. Congregation, turn in your Bibles to the book of Ruth, chapter number one. Ushers, if you'll make your way down, congregation, chapter number one. I think we got it here, fellas. Thank you. Let's ask God's blessings on the offering, and then we're going to get into the Word. Father, bless the offering tonight. And again, thank you for church doors that are open, folks that are here to hear from heaven. Bless our Bible study in Christ's name. Amen. of Ruth tonight, chapter number one, the book of Ruth, chapter number one, we will continue our third message tonight in the series that we're going verse by verse through the book of Ruth. Tonight's message is one that I believe will be uh, meaningful and certainly pointed for all of us. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand tonight. I'm not going to ask you to amen, but think back to yourself for just a moment. How many of you are like me, where after you've been saved, there's been some time that you've wandered away from God? You don't have to amen me, because I know that's the case for most of us. How many times do we wish we could say that we have been saved all our lives? Certainly, that's an amen to that, but we've been in God's will all our lives since the time we got saved. That is certainly not the case for most of us. We've had times of spiritual wilderness wanderings. You can say amen to this. Thank God he lets us come back home. Thank God that to wander away from him is not a spiritual death sentence. But would you also amen me on this? Coming home ain't always easy. Oftentimes when we come back, we bear the scars of the sin that we've been dabbling in. I read a story a few weeks ago that I think beautifully illustrates the point that we'll be looking at tonight in this message I've entitled, Coming Home is Not Always Easy. The story is told of a foolish old farmer who one day concluded that the healthy oats and grain that he'd been feeding his mule for years was simply costing him too much money. So in an effort to save money, He one day took uh, what was the regular supply of oats, and he gave about 90% of it, mixing 10% with a little bit of sawdust. Then the next week, he turned the ratio from 80% oats to 20% sawdust, and continued to drop that week after week until he got to the point where it was 10% oats, 90% sawdust, and he thought he had discovered something spectacular course, the mule didn't seem to notice the gradual change, so the farmer thought things were fine. Weeks later, he finally fed the animal nothing but sawdust. The animal finished the meal and fell over dead. Silly story, perhaps, but it also serves as the reality of what happens to the child of God when we begin nibbling with sin. We think that we can handle the 10%. We think that the 90% that we've got still planted in church, still planted in God's will, will overcome the 10% that we keep our feet dabbled in the world. But you do understand that oftentimes 10% becomes 20%. And 20 cent becomes 30%, which becomes 50%. And before we know it, before we've even fully recognized it, uh, that ratio has flipped. And now all of a sudden, uh, what was just a little bit of nibbling and a little bit of dabbling in the world, uh, we have become spiritually taken over, and the spiritual sawdust ruins us. Reality is that's where Naomi finds herself. For those who may not have been with us the last two weeks, we simply told the story of a family from Bethlehem of Judah, a husband and wife and two children. The husband, of course, was Elimelech. His wife was by the name of Naomi. They had two boys, Malon and Chilion. And when things began to get tough in Bethlehem, they abandoned their faith, they began, abandoned the principles of God. They turned their back upon that, certainly that promised land, certainly the place of blessing, walked away into a place where they had no business dwelling in Moab. I am saddened tonight by the number of Christians walked away from the place of blessing and seemed content to be living in Moab. There are, and again, I hope you'll amen this, there are far too many people, who are not enjoying the blessings back in Bethlehem, but are content to be living in the spiritual wilderness of Moab. Listen to me, church. No child of God belongs in Moab. No child of God belongs away from God. God didn't save us for us to end up back in the same hog pit he saved us out of. Undoubtedly, that's how Naomi found herself, a dead husband, and two dead sons. You were with us last week. We talked about what is, I believe, a very plain illustration of the decision that has to be made. One girl, Orpah, made the decision to return back deeper into Moab to the land of her ancestors, the land of her family. But one girl, Ruth, decided uh, that she would stay with her mother-in-law and she would leave Moab behind uh, and would begin that wilderness journey out of the wilderness straight into the promised land. I say again, thank God uh, that he saves us and thank God he allows us to come back home. But I want you to understand tonight, and it's a message for every single one of us. While we can celebrate praise God for the fact that he brings us back home or he allows us back home, it would be better if we never left to begin with. And as you're going to see, when Naomi and Ruth walk back into Bethlehem, they are altogether, or she is, Naomi, altogether different than the woman who walked out. Let me say that again. The woman who comes back home is altogether different than the woman who walked out. Let's look tonight, if we could, at just a few verses. Read with me, if you would, beginning in verse number 19. We'll read down just through the rest of chapter number one tonight. So they, two, and of course the two there are Naomi and Ruth, went till they came to Bethlehem, came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, and all the city was moved about them. They said, Is this Naomi? She said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again, empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, the Almighty hath afflicted me. So Naomi returned. Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, they came to Bethlehem. And interesting look at that last clause in the beginning of barley harvest three things that i'll ask you to look at tonight with me in these simple verses number one note with me their arrival their arrival as we begin looking at verse number 19 it makes very clear that they were headed to one place they weren't just going back to the promised land they weren't just going back to to judah But it says in verse number 19, uh, that they too uh, went until they came to Bethlehem. They came to Bethlehem. If you have time tonight, when you get home, I challenge you to flip to the back of your Bible at your maps and get a clear picture of exactly where they were going. As always, I will use our church as a map of Israel. Two and a half tribes on this side. Here's the Jordan River. Nine and a half tribes on this side. Way out there is Moab. Way out there in spiritual wilderness is where Ruth and Naomi are traveling from. Understand that Bethlehem is way up yonder, almost where our sound system is, if we keep that in mind. So it is not just as if these girls are are stepping one foot out of Moab and one foot into Bethlehem. This is an extremely long journey. In fact, uh, it's a journey that on foot uh, would likely take anywhere from 7 to 10 days depending on the speed of travel. As they make their way into the promised land, getting on this side of the Jordan River, they don't stop there because Bethlehem's not on this side of the Jordan River. So they're going to have to traverse the Jordan River. They're going to have to find a crossing spot where it's safe. They're going to have to make their way across the Jordan River. And then you also need to know that Bethlehem is not on flat land, but sits nearly half a mile, 2,000 feet up a mountain elevation. This is not an easy journey for these girls to make. This is not an easy journey for them to travel some 10 days by foot. You understand they can't call a cab. There's no such thing as Uber, and there's not a camel in sight. They got to walk. It's challenging. It's difficult, and it's dangerous. Two women walking on their own from spiritual wilderness back to Bethlehem, anything could happen to them two women traversing the Jordan River trying to find a safe spot I'm reading my Bible I don't see where the Lord's damming up the Jordan River uh, and letting them cross miraculously like he did the Israelites they got to figure out a way across to get to Bethlehem where are you going with preacher I hope you'll listen to me and listen well when we walk away from God he always will welcome us back but you listen Coming home ain't always easy. Coming home is not always easy. You see, I believe with all of my heart that being saved is one of the easiest things that we will ever do. But I submit to you, when you find yourself in the pig pen of sin, When you find yourself and you know right from wrong and you're trying to follow God, but you walk away from God and you end up in the muck and the mire of this world, you understand that journey back to the place of spiritual blessing is a mountain climb. Every step of the way, there'll be people that try to drag you back to Moab. Every step of the way, you'll have an enemy who tries to stop you in your tracks because he does not want you to get back to the place of spiritual blessing. You said, no, wait a minute, Pastor Greg, this is a Wednesday night. Why are you talking to us on a Wednesday night? This is the Wednesday night crowd. Do you understand it's the Wednesday night crowd that the enemy loves to target? You see, when he can get the faithful ones out, uh, he can often take down a Sunday school class. Uh, he can take down half a church, and by golly, depending on who he takes down, sometimes he can just wipe out the whole church at one time. Listen to me carefully. Yes, thank God. He lets us come back home, but coming home ain't always easy. Coming home is not always easy. The journey. We go from the journey to what I'm calling tonight not just the journey, but also the justification. Why are they doing this? Why are they making this journey? If it is indeed so difficult, if it is indeed so dangerous, why are they putting themselves at so much risk? Why are they risking their lives by crossing the Jordan River? Why are they huffing and puffing at 2,000 square feet, or 2,000 feet rather, up that mountain half a mile? Why are they putting themselves through that? Is
1: it worth it? Let me ask you, what do they have waiting on them back in Moab? Nothing. A dead husband,
0: two dead sons. The case of Ruth, a dead husband and a dead father-in-law and an absent sister-in-law, and another dead brother-in-law. Back in Moab, there is nothing but death. Back in Bethlehem, God's blessing his people. We saw that last week. Back in Bethlehem, God's taking care of his own. Back in Bethlehem, uh, the house of bread, Judah, the house of praise, uh, there is much to celebrate back in Bethlehem. So I submit to you, though the journey is hard, uh, though the lift is difficult, uh, though there will be danger along every step and many trying to yank the person back, getting out of Moab is worth every obstacle we overcome. Every obstacle. Number one tonight, their arrival. I want you to notice with me, secondly, not only their arrival, but their announcement. I love how the Holy Spirit gives us a very clear picture of what happens here. Look, if you would, please, at the verse number 19. Again, it says, when they two went until they came to Bethlehem, came to pass, that when they were come to Bethlehem, notice this, that the city was moved about them and they said, is this Naomi? In other words, when Naomi's certainly stepping in first because she knows where she is. She's been here before. She lived here. She grew up here. She got married here. When she steps back into her homeland, when she walks back into Bethlehem, folks are looking at her and they notice that this woman is back and there's something different about her. They immediately are are looking at the fact that she doesn't look the same. She doesn't act the same. Uh, There's an age about her. There's a defeatism about her. Uh, Something tragic has happened. Moreover, she's coming back in with a stranger. She's coming back in with a Moabitess. You need to understand something, church. The Jews... uh, and the Moabites were not friendly enemies. <laughs> These were folks who didn't get along. These are folks who didn't care for one another. These are folks who, in the best of circumstances, merely tolerated each other, and in the worst of circumstances, sometimes sought each other's death. So when Naomi walks back in with Ruth, they're not saying, oh, look how sweet uh, she brought her daughter in law. They're saying, who is this girl? I submit to you tonight, after that question, after they look at Naomi and they say, is this Naomi? The evidence of her sinfulness, the evidence of her loss begins to be clearly articulated. When Naomi speaks, What comes out of her mouth clearly shows the pain and the penalty that accompanies
1: sin. Look at what she says. Verse number 21. Notice what she says. Went out full. Notice the next clause. The Lord hath brought me home again. The Lord hath brought me home
0: again. In that instance, I believe that she is speaking of God's providence. She's speaking of the fact, please listen carefully. When she says, she doesn't say, I've decided to come back home. She doesn't say, I made up my mind to come back home. She doesn't say, it was my decision to come back home. She says, The
1: Lord brought me back home. Why? I think underscoring that
0: is the reality that she's here because of what she lost there. Are you with me, church? I believe, if I can put it into our modern-day English that we'll understand, she said, the Lord orchestrated events so that I had no choice come back home,
1: wonder how many times she had to answer this question, where's your husband, where are your sons, wonder how many times she had to
0: hang her head in shame as over and 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 over, she had to relive the pain the last few years wonder how many times she wiped away tears. She described burying her husband, both of her children. I think sometimes, folks, and again, I recognize this is the Wednesday night crowd. I, I think sometimes that when we talk about Luke 15, which I call God's lost and found department, especially when we get down to the prodigal son, I have preached message after message after message after message celebrating the fact that God takes us back home and celebrating the fact that when this boy came to himself, as Bible says, and uh, his father put a ring on him and put the best uh, uh, robe on him and killed the fatted calf and praised the Lord. But I also wrote a message several years ago that I called the wounds of the prodigal. See, that boy came home, he's altogether different. I submit to you that daddy was altogether different. I want you to get where I'm going tonight, folks. We do a misstatement when we talk about, yes, praise God, he takes us back home. But oh, how much sweeter it'd be if we never walked away from him to begin with. How much better our lives would be. We never stepped out of the promised land into the wilderness of Moab. Notice, not only do you see in verses 20 and 21, her speaking of providence, but I use this term reverently. She also speaks of her own punishment. Again, I, I would never, ever lay blame to anybody for anything, but I do think that we can speak to that of our own lives. She says in verse 20, she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara. Well, you folks who have been in this church for any length of time know that names matter. Names mean something. She's not just asking to have her name changed. She's not just asking for folks to call her something different. What she's saying is, The name that you're calling me no longer applies to my life. So I'm going to give you another name that better describes where I am right now. See, the
1: name Naomi means pleasant. The name Mara means bitter, angry, hurt.
0: So, when everybody says, Is it Naomi? Is it Naomi? There's Naomi. Pleasant, joyful, pleasant. Naomi says, Don't call me that.
1: Doesn't describe me anymore. In fact, call me bitter. Call me unhappy. Call me miserable.
0: Call me Mara. Why, Naomi? Why would we call you that? She says, Verse 21, excuse me, verse 20, For the Almighty,
1: Hath dealt very bitterly with me. Notice what she says next.
0: I, this is one of the saddest statements I think in all of Scripture.
1: I went out full. No, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought when they left, they
0: left because of a famine. How can you be full when there's a famine? How can you be full when you don't have enough food? How can you be full when you don't have uh, what you even need for the day-to-day sustenance of your family? Uh, But she says, I
1: went out full, but I'm coming home empty. Naomi made an incredible discovery. Naomi realized that the greatest thing she could lose was what she lost, husband, children, family. She literally says
0: to everybody around, I may not have had much, but when I walked out of here, I had everything. I had my husband. I had my children. Now uh, I'm coming back, and I've lost everything. Everything. I want you to see Naomi tonight, folks. Is not some paragon of virtue in our Bible. She's a real woman just like others in this room tonight. Who the things she treasures most
1: been snatched from her and she recognizes why. She recognizes why. Again,
0: I say this with every bit of reverence every bit of respect, God don't play with his young'uns, and he will do what is necessary to get our attention. And oftentimes, what he has to do to get our attention is imminently painful. Let's keep reading. Notice, if you would, number one, the arrival, number two, the announcement, finally, number three, the anticipation. Notice what it says, verse number 22. So, Naomi returned. And, and just so that we understand how everybody else was looking at Ruth, it's not referring to her as Ruth the daughter-in-law, because the fact that she was the daughter-in-law is not what was on the tip of everybody's tongue. It says that she was
1: the what? Moabite the idolater, the foreigner, the enemy of God's people,
0: the Moabitess. And now it says, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And interestingly, the Spirit doesn't leave it there, for it tells us they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Now, you know... I've said this to you many times, if it's in Scripture, it's important. God doesn't put anything there by accident.